0: Genesis chapter 29, verse 30, it says, I'm going to be picking up here where it says, He also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served Laban still another seven years. Now I'd like to skip to chapter 49 and verse 29. Then he charged them and said to them, this is Jacob speaking, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim the Hittite. Verse 31. There they buried Abraham, Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. I want to preach for a, a few moments today. A word of encouragement I've entitled The Leah Lesson. The Leah Lesson. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for all that you have done in this place today. Father, your presence that we feel so strongly. You have visited us once again. And we are grateful. We cherish what we feel right now. God, I ask God that as we enter into your word that you would speak to us, God, that you would comfort us. Encourage us. God, challenge us if need be. Deal with us. Speak to us, God. Anoint the ears and the hearts of everyone that is in this place or are watching online today. God, anoint my lips of clay, God, and fill my mouth with your word, not mine, your wisdom, not mine, God, so that your name will be glorified today and that your people be edified. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everyone say amen. You may be seated in God's presence. Jacob worked for Laban a total of 14 years to marry his daughter Rachel. And she was, for all intents and purposes, the girl of his dreams, whose stunning beauty, charm, and spirit stole his heart one day. Jacob was smitten, and he couldn't fathom life without her. Rachel, the apple of his eye. But as the story goes, there would be some unexpected twist along the way. And the first twist came the morning after Jacob's wedding when to his shock and dismay he woke up to Leah instead of Rachel. Now, the custom in Bible times was for the eldest daughter to marry first. So Laban kind of pulled a fast one on Jacob by swapping his daughters on their wedding night. And this switch was anything but an even exchange. It was not because Leah and Rachel were total opposites in every sense of the word. They were completely different, uh, both on the outside and the inside, both externally and internally. They were two completely different young ladies. Rachel, the Bible says, of her physical appearance was very attractive, very lovely, very pleasant on the eyes, whereas Leah, the Bible says that she had Tender eyes. That's the Bible being nice, okay? And saying that she was not very attractive. Um, Rachel, her name means one with purity. Sounds like a nice name. Whereas Leah, her name means weary. Kind of sounds like a red flag, if, if I'm being honest today. One with purity. And, and, and the connotation there of one with purity is not just speaking of an internal uh, a spiritual purity but just a a pureness about the way she looked her her overall persona whereas leia her overall persona was one of weariness and that weariness is not just tiredness like how you're weary or tired after a long day's work it's more it's deeper than that it's a it's a a, a spiritual weariness it's something that that, uh, that goes beyond just being tired on the physical. There was a, a, a despondency, maybe even a depression about her, a loneliness. And so when Jacob woke up that, that morning uh, to realize that he had, in fact, been hitched to the wrong woman, I could imagine that uh, he felt cheated on that day. He must have thought to himself, this is not the agreement that I had with my father-in-law. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I envisioned my life to be. Not what I expected. And, and, And I think that when he woke up that morning, he felt like he got the short end of the stick. This is not what I expected. This is not a problem I expected. I know that that marriage wasn't always going to be easy. I know that marriage wasn't always going to be, you know, just uh, peaches and cream. But but surely uh, it wasn't going to start like this is not the kind of problem I expected to have on day one. But this is exactly where he found himself this was not the sacrifice that he expected to make this was not the kind of deal he expected to have but this in fact was the reality that jacob woke up with whether he liked it or not whether it was what he thought life would be or not this was the hand that had been dealt to him and i want to tell you today that in life it would be nice if we always got rachel And what I mean by that is if we always got what we wanted, when we wanted, how we wanted it. Wouldn't it be nice if that were the case? Can I get an amen today? But we all know that that's not the case, and we would like to, however, live the dream all the time and have our picture-perfect situation, have everything ideally set up for us and have the things and the life that we want, and and, and that's what we work for, that's what we hope for, that's what we... Pray will happen for it. I mean, I don't know how you pray, but, but that's how I pray. I pray that God would give me the desires of my heart. How many of you are praying like that today, man? I mean, does not the Bible say to delight yourself also in the Lord and He will give you the... De- how many of you got desires in your heart today? Come on, talk to the pastor today. How many of you got some desires in your heart today? We got some desires. I was kind of weak. I said, how many of you got some desire? Come on, wake up today, folks. How many of you got desires in your heart today? And how many of you would like to see those desires come to pass? So what happens when they don't? And what happens when it seems like, you know, the, the, the wrong packets got delivered to your house? Huh? Oh, there must have been a mix-up somewhere in the post office. This is not what I prayed for. There must have been a mix-up at UPS. It must have been a mix-up at Amazon because this is not what I was praying for. This is not—I asked for a job, but I didn't ask for this job. I asked for for the house, but this is not what I asked for. I, I asked for 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 things, not realizing that this is what I was going to get. And said, "God, are you playing some kind of a trick on me, Lord?" And if we're honest, sometimes. That might be how it feels, at least for a moment, that that maybe uh, life is playing a trick on us. And this is not what I expected. But here's the reality. Sometimes uh, we end up with a layup. We end up with an unattractive situation where there is no easy fix. No easy fix. No no pill you can swallow to get rid of it. I'm here today to talk about the layup situations in our life the kind of situations that one little prayer at the altar is not going to fix you got to understand something about this life that we live even as a christian there are some things in life that an altar call is not going to fix just one altar call Uh, i know some of you didn't want to hear that because you just want to go up to one altar call and and just you know like uh, the pastor just kind of waves his hand and uh, my problem is gone now isn't it nice when that happens But that's not the way it always works. There are some situations in life that we've got to work on. Things that we've got to go back home to. Attitudes that we still have to confront. Oh, you're only going to help me today. People that we still got to deal with. Situations that are still waiting for us when we get back home. When we clock into work tomorrow morning. When we get back to the grind. Can I hear an amen today? There are still some things that are, come on, still some bills that have to be paid. Come on now. Still so some debts that we have to pay off. Still so some things that we've got to deal with. Still so some layers, some unattractive situations for some things that, that there is no easy fix. There is no one size fits all. No magic pill you can swallow. No, no magic verse you can read. Nothing, no, no, no sermon you can hear. No song you can sing that's just gonna magically wipe this thing from your life. So you better learn how to deal with whatever that thing is in a graceful, godly, spiritual way so that instead of it destroying you, it can develop you into being the Christian that God has called you to be. Come on and clap your hands and give God some praise today. Now the Bible doesn't hide the fact that Jacob loved Rachel more. Which makes his dying wish when he was setting up his end of life care And responsibilities and obligations such as where family members would be buried, who would be buried with whom. It makes his dying wish all the more interesting, fascinating, and even a little puzzling if you ask me. Because his dying wish was to be buried not next to Rachel, who was quote unquote the love of his life, but next to Leah. When you bury me, don't bury me next to Rachel, the one who stole my heart, the one whom I fell madly in love with, the one who I wanted nothing more than to build a life with. But at the end of Jacob's life, he said, the one that I want to be buried next to is the one who I didn't even want to marry in the first place. Is the one who for seven years or longer, I question why I was stuck with her. The one whom all of those times and all of those nights and all those moments and all those mornings and days, I thought to myself, how did I end up here? That's the one I want to be married or buried next to. Why didn't Jacob choose to be buried with Rachel? What happened? What changed between I do and the burial, between the wedding and the burial? What changed in Jacob? What happened? Why is Leah given this final honor? Somehow, I believe that through a process of breaking and molding and teaching Jacob things, something that was ugly or unattractive, or unlovely became beautiful over time. I want to tell you some things today about the Christian life that I hope will help you, not just today. Because we got to get to a place where we don't just shout about things on Sunday and live in defeat on Monday. You've got to carry this word with you into the workplace, into wherever you go, and, le- and learn how to deal with the layers in your life. And if I could some way, somehow, transport Jacob back to this place today. If I could bring this original, I'm not talking about this Jacob, I'm talking about this Jacob over here. If I could bring him here today and he could offer us some advice and say, pull up a chair, church. Let me talk to you about how to deal with the layers in your life. I think, and I'm just supposing here, the first thing he would probably tell us is this. Never underestimate the power of staying put. Never someone say stay put. Put. Come on, say it again. Say stay put. put. Never underestimate the power of sin. Now, why do I think Jacob would say this? Because during the layers of life, the thought of quitting gets more and more enticing. Especially when it feels like nothing you're doing is working. Especially when it feels like you're constantly battling upstream, uphill. Especially when it feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Especially when it feels like no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you're not going to wiggle your way out of this one. Especially when it feels like somehow you have found, uh, you have fell out of favor with God or out of favor with man. The mind begins to wonder if we're just going to be honest today. And uh, This message is going to require a healthy dose of honesty from us today. And the mind begins to wonder and the mind begins to drift if we're being honest and, and starts to think, what's the point anyhow? Why continue going through the motions? Why continue trying when my trying is not producing any fruit? Why continue a, a thriving day Day, Why continue enduring hour after hour, year after year? I'm sure there were some sleepless nights when Jacob, uh, uh, you know, found himself thinking about how easy it would be just to pack his bags and move out and slip out uh, in the middle of the night uh, and leave a nice little letter and a flower for Leah saying, I'm sorry, it just could not work out. How easy it would have been uh, and maybe nobody would have even pointed a finger at Jacob. Jacob, uh, probably they would have felt like he did the right thing and said, Jacob, I'm surprised you hung him there for as long as you did, my friend. I'm surprised you even hung him there for 12 for, for twelve days, let alone seven years. Uh, I'm surprised you did that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there were many times where Jacob thought he probably even fantasized about how, how, how his life would be if he just went over there in the middle of the night uh, and, and, and knocked uh, on Rachel." window and say honey why don't the two of you, the two of us uh, just elope uh, and get out of here and start the life that we want to live. How enticing it must have been for him uh, to think about that uh, but yet the Bible says uh, that he subjected himself uh, to the harsh requirements uh, of his unrelenting father-in-law who said no if you want to marry her you've got to work uh, another seven years and he stayed put uh, in a moment where it would have been easier to quit. I've come today to tell somebody that there's going to be times in your life when you're with a Leah in your life, and everything in your flesh is telling you to give up and to move on. Everything in your mind and every voice you're hearing is telling you that you're wasting your time, and it's not worth it. But I've come today to tell you that the devil is a liar. And if you will simply put your foot down and say, this is where I belong. Come on somebody preach with me here today. If there's somebody that needs to hear this, well, God sent me here this afternoon to tell you there is a power in staying put. There's a power in staying put. There's a power in not moving. Someone say stay put. He could have demanded an annulment. He could have said, Laban, we had a deal and you broke it. I'm officially done. But instead, Jacob stuck it out. Stuck it out. He didn't run. Someone say he didn't run. He didn't run. He stayed put. Uh, and there's somebody today. I feel it in my spirit. And I, and I feel like a, there's a little resistance today. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. But but, but there's something. Because there might, there's a spiritual battle. Somebody right now is teeter-tottering. Somebody right now has got running on your mind. Uh, you haven't even told your friend. You may not have even told your spouse yet. You may, you're, you're afraid to admit uh, that you've got maybe one foot out, at least mentally, uh, uh, out of where you belong in God and and it would be so much easier just to run and and, and just start over or just run and just leave things undone and just run and let someone else clean up after your mess or let someone else deal with it. But I've come to encourage you. I've come to stop you from doing that and tell you, you better stay right where you are in the Lord. You better stay right there in that trial because if you run from this one, you're going to keep running. For the rest of your life, Uh, you're gonna keep you're gonna live a life of running, uh, and you're never gonna find yourself planted, and you're never gonna find yourself rooted, and you're never gonna find yourself producing the kind of fruit that only comes when you stay put where you are long enough uh, so that God can do what He wants to do in your life. Somebody say, Amen. Stay put when the urge to quit outweighs the pleasure of staying, can I tell you, is one of the most underrated or underestimated and even misunderstood steps of faith. I'm going to say something that sounds kind of controversial, but hear me out. Somebody might need to hear this today. For as much as we celebrate the one who left and come back, and we ought to, no one's saying that we ought not to celebrate those who left and came back. Everyone loves a comeback story, amen? We all love a comeback story. But you know what I also love? I love a staying put story. Oh, uh, y'all, don't, you, you weren't ready for that. You weren't ready. I'm going to give you another chance. I think that we ought to make a habit out of celebrating those who didn't leave but stayed put. Uh, Now, what do I mean by celebrate? Throw them a big party No, I just think that we ought to value and appreciate those who had every reason to walk out, but they stayed put. Come on now, somebody. Every reason to leave God. Every reason to leave the church. Every reason to leave their family. Every reason to leave their marriage. But they stayed put. Come on, somebody ought to give God some prayer. Ah, we got to thank God for those. In fact, some of you are here today because there was one in your family or one in your church that made a decision, they're going to stay put. That's right. They're going to stay put. I'm here today because of someone who didn't leave. I love a comeback story. And we will always celebrate those that come back. Yes, we will. The prodigals, absolutely. But there's something to be said. Oh, hallelujah about staying put Sadly we don't appreciate those who stay put But I I have great respect I have great respect for any mother, father, husband, or wife who may have every reason in the flesh to want to leave push the quit button on your marriage, put the quit button on your family, push the quit button on your ministry But says, no, I'm going to stay put. And God will honor that faith. It takes just as much faith, hear me now, to stay put if God tells you to stay put as it does to move on when God tells you to move on. It takes just as much faith to stand right where you are and say, this is where God has me. Somebody give God a hand praise today. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. I think Jacob would also tell us that our pain has a way of drawing us closer to God. Our pain has a way. Victories don't teach us how to pray. Pain teaches us how to pray. Mm. Some of us would not know God the way we know him today had he not allowed that trial in your life. Because what that trial did was bring you to your knees. It was Leah, can I tell you, not Rachel, who kept Jacob more focused on God. Out of the two, it was Leah who was the more spiritual than Rachel. (laughs) Rachel had the outer beauty, but Leah had the inner beauty. Because within her, there was this constant effort To not only do the right thing, but eventually her heart was completely changed to just praising God. In fact, the Bible says that out of the two sisters, it was Rachel. Rachel was the one who stole and hid her father's idols. Not Leah. It was Rachel. It was Rachel. And it wasn't until later on when God called Jacob to build an altar at Bethel. God was working in Jacob's life. God was developing his faith. God was taking him from glory to glory, making him to be the patriarch that he was destined to be. And in that process, he was building an altar. God said, I want you to build an altar in Bethel. But before you do, he said, you've got to clean up your house. And part of the house cleaning he had to do was get rid of the God's and the idols, not that Leah brought over, but that Rachel brought from her father's house. Huh. So we gotta be careful how much we want that Rachel because some of us are asking for things that are actually gonna lead us further from God. Ah. You wanna thank Him, He doesn't give you that job sometimes. Oh, y'all don't want to hear me. You ought to thank him. He doesn't give you everything that you want because God knows that there are some things that if he lets you have it, it will draw you away. Oh, come on. Away from the word. Away from prayer. Away from the house of God. So watch, watch, what, watch what happens in Genesis 35. And verse 2, he says, put away the foreign gods that are among you. He told his family, we got to get rid of these things that we've allowed into our life. But the question is, who allowed them there? Well, it started with Rachel. It started with Rachel. And she allowed these idols. She took the idols uh, and, and the gods of her father, the images of her father. And, 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 when, and when the Lord was wanting to consecrate Jacob, he said, you got to get rid of some things. Uh, and, and I've come to ask, have you allowed... Have you allowed any idols in your life? What things have you prioritized over God? What are you struggling to let go of from your old life? I wonder mm, if the spirit of Rachel has got a hold of some people and you're still, you know, you you still got some idols from your old life. Uh, You got baptized, uh, amen, but you came up with your idols and you've been holding on to them still. And you're hiding them. Hey, you know, of course, you you know you don't post your idols on on Instagram and all that. Well, some people do nowadays, but you know. Oh, oh my gosh but but you've got some idols over here you got some idols over there and, and they're hiding they're, you know they there's stuff between the you know the, the the mattresses at your house and their they're, the, they're in a hidden cupboard I'm not talking about physical idols today I'm talking about the ones that are in our heart I'm talking about the ones that are in our minds and in our spirits and the things that reallow and, and and God is saying look I'm trying to develop you but in order to really develop I'm gonna have to let Leia just in your life a little more. Let this uncomfortable situation, because the more uncomfortable I make you, it seems that the more uncomfortable you get, the more you're drawn to prayer. The more you're drawn to clean up the things that are in your life that are blocking and hindering your relationship with God. Maybe it's time to clean up our spiritual houses. Scripture says, watch this. Uh, I'm going to be just a few more moments. Hallelujah. But I wasn't here last Sunday, so I'm going to preach two messages. Is that all right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just going to go a little longer. Praise God. Someone say, go ahead. Amen. Because I'm not done. I got some stuff to say today. Watch uh, what scripture says, and now in verse 4 of Genesis 35. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands uh, and the earrings, all the jewelry which were there in their ears. And, and Jacob hid them uh, uh, under a terabith tree, which was by Shechem. He got all of these idols and the and the jewelry and all these things they weren't supposed to have as the people of God. And then he buried them under a tree and so that they would never be found again. Let's get rid of these things once and for all. And what I see there is a picture of the cross because the bearing of all these old idols and gods under that tree is a picture of us bearing our whole life under the tree of Calvary. Oh, hallelujah, the cross. How many of you are thankful for the cross today? I've come to tell somebody if you've got any of those things in your heart, bury them under the cross today and let's get a hold of that Leah and let's get a hold of the spirit and let's move on come on and clap your hands and give the Lord some praise this afternoon come on somebody lift up your voice today if you want to get closer to God. Leah the unlovely situation in Jacob's life was not guilty of hiding any gods she was not emotionally or spiritually attached to these things because once again, her beauty was not physical, but spiritual. And there are some ugly situations in our life. There are some ugly things that will come. Some of you came, you, you came to church today with some of those things. You came in here today feeling sorry for yourself about Leah. Well, pastor, you know, you know, if you only saw... The Leah situation I have in my life. If you only knew how bad I had. Let me tell you something. Huh? There's not a person in this room that gets a free pass. Huh? Not a person in this room that gets a free pass. We all suffer. We all go through things. We all have layers that we have to deal with from time to time. But instead. Come on. But instead. Of cursing your Leia, you ought to praise God through your Leia. The problem, the reason why the situation hasn't changed, is because you haven't changed. Well, hallelujah! Someone say hallelujah. We're waiting on the situation to change, and God's waiting on you to change. And I have come to realize that when I change. It doesn't even matter if my situation changes sometimes. It may never change. But if I change and my attitude and my spirit and my mentality changes, if I change as an individual, then God can still be glorified. And most of all, I have gained something spiritually. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus said, if I lose everything but I gain Christ, I've gained it all. He said, I count all things as loss that I might gain that eternal reward. Life might look like Leah sometimes. Life might not become, it's not always going to be pretty. But Leah was a living reminder to Jacob that the most valuable things in life are not tangible, but intangible. The most valuable things of life. Can I tell you? Let me just speak frankly with you today. The most valuable things in life are not what make you feel good. Come on, I need somebody. I said the most valuable things in life are not the things that make you feel good. They're the things that make you godly. Hallelujah. And you'll find. Come on, help me out, you seasoned say You know, some of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, you know this to be true. And you'll find that more, most often, more times than not, it's the things that make us feel good that tend to lead us astray. Huh. But the things that make us uncomfortable, like what, Pastor? Like Sacrifice like trouble like submission like obedience like pain like all the things affliction but this is what I know the psalmist said many are the afflictions of the righteous but God delivers them out of them all and whether that deliverance comes today or tomorrow blessed be the name of the Lord Whether that deliverance comes tomorrow or in a year from now, blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether that deliverance comes in this life or the next life, blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on and stand with me and give God a hand praise here this afternoon. Hallelujah. Come on. Give God some praise today. Your burdens, let me tell you finally, your burdens will birth your blessings. Again, I wondered why Jacob chose to be buried with Leah over Rachel. Why would he do this? Why would he choose to be buried next to, quote unquote, the, the worst nightmare? You know, the worst scenario. Why, at the end of his life, what changed his mind? Ha, how did he go from despising this to loving this? Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. In the same way that you, you, you learn the value of a friend after you've been betrayed. Oh my God. You learn the value of God's faithfulness when others have been unfaithful. Mm. you learn the value of joy when things have been taken from you and yet you've still got a smile on your face you learn to appreciate peace a peace that surpasses all understanding but here's the thing what helped convince Jacob at the end of his life to be buried with Leah over Rachel you know it's kind of sad what happened to Rachel I kind of feel bad for the sister because she got buried somewhere kind of on the side of the road. You read your Bible. It's kind of sad what happened to her. I'm not here to dance on her grave. Don't get me wrong. I feel bad. She still got the promise. Joseph came through her. Benjamin came. So she's got her place. But Jacob said, bury me next to Leah. And I think that one of the things that that just impressed Jacob about this woman is that she wouldn't give up (laughs) and she kept producing someone say produce she kept producing she had one son and then she had another son she had Reuben, and then she had Simeon and then she just she just kept bearing children until finally she gets to Judah and the name Judah, as many of you know, means praise. And after she had Rupert, and after she had Simeon, and after she had Levi, she gets to Judah. She says, you know what? I'm tired of trying to win this guy's favor. I'm just going to focus everything on the Lord. And she said, I'm going to praise him now. Oh my God. I'm going to praise him now. And so she begins to praise God. And I think Jacob saw that and said, you know, there is something about this woman. There is something about this lady right here. There is something special about her. She just keeps on going. He must have stood back and admired her faith and said, if she can keep going, so can I. If she can make this work, so can I. And the Bible says that she birthed Judah. And why is that significant? I'll tell you why. Because when the Lord decided to come and dwell among us, and God manifests in the flesh, when God decided to come, and he looked at all the tribes of Israel. Come on and help me somebody. And he looked at all the tribes. He looked at the tribe of Reuben. He said, mm, maybe I'll come through that tribe. And then he looked at the tribe. Oh, I need some help right now. Let's let's kick this thing up a little bit. Hey, Amen. And, 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 and he looked at the tribe of uh, at the tribe of simeon he said that's a nice tribe uh, maybe i'll consider that as an option and then he looked at the tribe of levi and all the, oh, that's a good tribe i like that one right there but he said "Nah." but there's something about that tribe of judah right there. there's something about that tribe of judah and so when the lord of lords and the king of kings stepped in he said i want to come through that way that tribe of Judah yeah God I want to come to that tribe I want to come to that tribe that tribe of Leah